Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and his journey back to God. Today we're in uh, Jonah and I just want to start out by saying, hey, if my voice sounds terrible, it's because I don't, it probably is. And I apologize for that. There's a friend came into town and we stayed up very late talking. So anyways, with that, let's go ahead and open up with a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for this day. Thank you for all that you've done. I just pray, Lord, that you would uh, be with us today, that you'd be honored and glorified by what we say and do, and that you would be the one that we focus on. We're so grateful that you love us, that you, the creator of the world, have made us, and that you have a desire to fellowship with us. So, Father, I just am so thankful to you today. I pray today I would live for you and bring you glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> so we're in our third book, our third small book, and it's Jonah. We're in Jonah 1, and I'm just going to give you a little bit of background as explained by one of my favorite people, and you guys can probably guess who that is, A.W. Tozer. The background is, is that called by God to prophesy a destruction to, to Nineveh, the capital city of the Assyrians, Jonah runs away. He runs towards Tarshish. And ends, ends up in the belly of a great fish. Yet God's will prevails. The reluctant prophet goes to Nineveh. And finally delivers God's message. The people of Nineveh are receptive and repent. Uh, traditionally this book has been ascribed to Jonah the son of Ad- Amity. He also appears in Second Kings 14.25 as the one who prophesied about the restoration of the boundaries of Israel. During the reign of Jer- Jerob, Jerobah. All right. Anyways, um, the message in this book is the story of God's incredible mercy and forgiveness. A resentful Jonah refuses to deliver God's message of destruction, knowing that God is merciful and will forgive. The Assyrians' well-deserved reputation for violence caused Israel to see them as a wicked people who were a political threat, even in the nation, even if the nation was not as powerful as it once was. The revival that Jonah described or describes probably happened during the rule of Asherdan III, which is about 773 to 755 BC. It was short-lived, for the Assyrians destroyed Samaria, Israel, in 722. Assyria fell to Babylon in 612 BC. Um, The book is basically broken into four parts. One is, the first part is Jonah disobeys, and then you see Jonah repents, Jonah preaches, and then you see Jonah pouts. (laughs) Sounds pretty typical of us. So, anyways, one of the key elements is that God tells Jonah to do something, and Jonah knows it, and Jonah says, no. (laughs) And so... God gets his way, regardless of what we all try to do. So with that, I'm just going to start reading from Jonah 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare... 
he went aboard and sailed to Tarshish to flee the Lord. I mean, <clears throat> I know that's that just sounds kind of dumb, right? It's God. You don't flee him by a phys- in a physical sense. <clears throat> I mean, you're fleeing him when you harden your heart, right? You're not fleeing him when you run away to a different town like he is on foot and chasing you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us, so that, he, so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they, ma- they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What, what kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. <clears throat> this terrified them. And they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. Way to go and put your cards on the table, Jonah. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not for the sea grew even wilder before them. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered sacrifice to the Lord and made vows vows to him. So I think it's pretty interesting that I mean, it's a rough sea and everything, and it's a boat that they're rowing. So it's it's not a little little boat, but <clears throat> at the same time, it's not like what we think of as large boats either. And the storm has, brew, has brewed and has come up on them, and yet they have time to go find this guy, cast lots, talk, hang out, and so it just seems very strange to me. It's a odd. It's an odd life that I don't recognize, but. They understood that it was, you know, Jonah. And Jonah, to his credit, he he took responsibility for it. And so, just looking here at at um, some more commentary from Tozer, he focuses on verse three, where it says, "But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee the Lord." And he he comments the. The great God knows everything in one instantaneous, perfect act. And yet he comes down among us and acts like us and says, I will go down and see. When Jonah refused to obey and broke off and alienated his heart, he got in a ship to get away from the presence of God. He thought he could get away from God. How foolish of him to think he could get away from God. Then there was Peter who knelt down and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. And that that was in Luke 5, verse 8. So it's just examples of people trying to run away from God or stay away from him.
And I, in my own life, I, I like Jonah, this story, because I have run away many times thinking that, you know, God, getting away from God. And you can't. That's the one thing that's pretty amazing. Once you've accepted God, once you've invited him into your life and into your heart, he's with you always. And you can't run from him. You can harden your heart. I've done that plenty of times. Um, And it always cost me a lot. And so I would just, just tell you, and again, it's why I love this book. God doesn't, he chases us. He doesn't give up on us. Just like the, the father of the prodigal son, he knew his son was coming back. He knew where he was. He knew it before he was, the son was even in, a, in sight. He knew about it and ran to him, which is something you know men didn't do in that culture. God knows where you're at. He knows where all of us are at. He loves us. He's, he's waiting and excited for when we come back. And Jonah, he hardened his heart, and then he wound up in the water. So don't, let's not all join Jonah in the water. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's go and stay, keep ourselves from, from that situation. Anyways, I'm sorry for rambling a little bit here. I hope you have a great day. Thanks for joining me at just a guy and his journey back to God. Let's, let's end up, uh, this with a quick prayer. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this, this story. And I just pray father for you to be glorified. I'm grateful for you. This is the, the, uh, Fourth of July weekend, I just thank you for our nation, and I thank you for our friends and all the men and women who fought for us and who've died for this country. I just lift up this day. I pray you'd be the one that we truly live for and that we would recognize that you're in us. There is no running from you and that you love us and you want what's best for us. And it's your word that gives us guidance and direction and meaning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, thanks for joining me. I hope you have a great day.